Do aliens watch sci-fi movies about humans invading? Did jelly come from another planet? If so, what planet did peanut butter come from? All of these questions you can find the answer to on this Paranormal Life! Hello everyone and welcome back to This Paranormal Life, your weekly comedy paranormal podcast where every week myself and Kit Griggles Malvena investigate a brand new paranormal tale, case, claim, or beast and come to a conclusion at the end as to whether or not that thing truly is paranormal. Unfortunately, you've put a completely different train of thought in my head thanks to your intro questions. This episode is cancelled. We're not talking about the paranormal anymore because... You brought up peanut butter and jam. What is the right ratio in a sandwich? 50-50, right? <laughs> I was worried you were going to say that. <laughs> Prepare to taste my blade. Uh, you truly couldn't be more wrong. You see... What are you talking about? All right, everyone, get a get a nice cup of coffee. Get Put on the kettle. I've never considered what the ratio is. You just butter one piece and butter the other well, piece. Well, you don't butter anything. You butter it with Thank peanut. God. You okay. butter it with peanut. That's what you do. Yeah, well, yeah, sure, to the untrained eye of a simpleton, of course, you would just... I I mean, it doesn't surprise me to hear that you just go caveman mode on two slices of bread. Jesus, you probably even used a heel of a loaf of bread as well, for all I know. But we won't get into all that, but... um, no, obviously there's a ratio because there's a kind of there's a kind of flavor quotient that varies between peanut butter and jam. So whilst you know you might think you need equal quantities, actually jam is more potent of a flavor. So you actually need less jam than peanut butter in order to get the right uh, ratio. The perfect sandwich. Yeah, I'll counter that with it doesn't matter at all. How many sandwiches? Do you, how many peanut butter and jam sandwiches do you think you've eaten in your life? I haven't eaten a sandwich in two years. <laughs> I don't eat sandwiches. <laughs> All right, Hollywood. <laughs> what? You on the Atkins diet? Some kind of 2006 Atkins? Sandwiches you don't the, eat a sal- is the I, least consumed form of food I, I eat in my entire life. You're speaking life. Japanese right now because I've seen you eat a sandwich in the last, I would say, well, if it hadn't been Christmas recently, I would have said week, but probably last two Name months. Name the sandwich. Name the sandwich, motherfucker. That's a lie. In... Yeah, that's what I thought. No, 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 that's no. That's what I thought. Uh, what? How many burgers have I seen you eat? This burgers I'm, aren't get, I'm, I'm throwing water on the I'm getting animated. Burgers aren't sandwiches. The funniest thing is, you know, it's a fresh year. We're back in the studio podcasting. We should be starting on a clean slate. Okay. You know, Kit and Rory at our default relationship, which is mostly <laughs> on the same team. I like how you have to qualify that. I have relationships since childhood, which is fine at best. (laughs) Which is unconfrontational at its peak. (laughs) And then already, you came in swinging punches today because you were only in the studio for about 45 minutes and then you started making fun of how many keys I have on my keychain. All right, audience audience members, audience (laughs) members. I just, we were, again, we're not going to get into it, but just, so I just, didn't deserve this. Just before I reveal how many, before we do the key reveal, <laughs> before we do the keychain reveal, just hold in your mind what you would imagine an appropriate amount of keys is yeah. on a keychain. Bearing in mind for a man who lives in a city, a walkable city. Sure. Yeah. Without a car. Yeah. Without a, without a, I feel like a cross-examining, <laughs> prosecuting lawyer, uh, to be clear, Mr. Powers, without a bike as well. Um, is that correct? 
Yeah, but also consider uh, how many keys someone would have to have for his friend to comment to him, uh, <laughs> when do you lock up the jail tonight, warden? <laughs> Implying I own a prison, I have that many keys. Five keys, three fobs, one, three, one three US, yeah, there is one USB stick and a, a keychain. <laughs> the only reason that it made it extra funny is you were mocking me for how many keys I have. And then Kit quickly proceeds to ask if he can borrow my keys because he didn't bring any of his on this trip. So he can't get into the office and he can't use the bathroom. <laughs> Listen, for every Steve Jobs, there's a Wozniak. And I'm more of an ideas guy. I kind of swan around not owning keys because I've got a key guy. And that's you. Was Wozniak the little green guy from Monsters, Inc.? <laughs> Did I get that right? <laughs> no, that's Mike Wazowski. That's Wazowski. No, right. it's Steve Wozniak. <laughs> They're both Steve, confusingly. <laughs> All right. I, we're clearly going to cut that because it makes me look bad. Uh, so, hey, glad to be here for a fresh 2024 uh, of new episodes. Yes, yeah. we have been talking about 2024 in the recent weeks. But actually, you can tell by our appearance and our tone of voice that some of that stuff was taped before the new year. Whereas we are sitting right now, actually, um, as fresh-faced men. Right. Are, are you fully committing to dry January? You're not having a drink this entire month? I have a problem. <laughs> okay. And that problem is me thirsty. <laughs> I thought doing dry January was not consuming a liquid for 31 days like Jesus in the desert. <laughs> I've got a problem. I'm addicted to tiny heinies, and I don't mean tushes. And the problem is... He means Heineken's, they're only, he didn't clarify after. They're only <laughs> tiny if you drink one or two of them. The problem is you drink a case of 32 and suddenly... They're uh -oh, mighty heinies. You're not allowed. Suddenly you got a tiny amount of custody of your children. So <laughs> if, I, if I prove to the judge I can make it 30 days clean into January... <laughs> I might get to see my daughter again. Right. The punishment from the judge was tiny-timey with your daughter. <laughs> it's the first case of parental supervision where he gets 45 seconds on the weekend <laughs> to say everything he can. And then she's taken back to her mother. Uh, but hey, one thing that isn't going to change is the fact that it is a Tuesday and we have a new paranormal case to investigate. This one today, Kit, is a doozy right off the back of a huge UFO investigation that we did last week. I'm excited to be bringing a case just as compelling and exciting this Tuesday. And divisive, maybe. Let's hope not. We're going to dive into today's episode right after a quick word from today's sponsors and a reminder that you can get every episode of This Paranormal Life ad-free over on patreon.com forward slash This Paranormal Life. Our story today begins in September 1977, in the small Cornish settlement of Newmill. Now, Newmill is a pretty normal place. It's tucked away in the English countryside and home to many historical features such as old churches and chapels, stone circles. But on this night, in September 1977, Newmill was going to become famous for a very different reason. A reason that can fly at 600 miles per second <laughs> and is from another f***ing galaxy. You made up that number. I don't know if anything can fly at 600 miles a second. That is we that know of. Even, is it, that we what, know of. What's the speed of light? How many miles a second is that? That's a good question. That's definitely faster. It is 186,000 miles per second. You're a liar. What? 
Wait, uh, so how much did you say? 100 and 600 miles per second. Right. So, <laughs> yes. So, so we yeah. are really breaking every rule of physics right out the gate. Look, we're, some, we're dealing with something here that we don't know what it is. Something that is inconceivable to the human mind. How fast is the speed of love, Kit? I think the speed of love arguably might be uh, a lot slower than this. Because I don't know, Roy, if you can relate to this. I'm sure some of the listeners can. You know, whenever uh, you just wake up in a cold sweat one night, realizing that eight years ago, that person you were talking to was actually hitting on you. Right. Yeah, a real delayed reaction there. <laughs> so sometimes the speed of love be quite slow. Hey, Rory. For you- the record, the speed of my love is approximately 35 seconds. <laughs> That's, that's a PB. All right. All right. All right. Hey, Rory. Sometimes the love, the speed of love can be a little too quick, and you have to think about baseballs to slow it down. Sometimes you need to buy special condoms <laughs> that slow down the speed of love. <laughs> hey, Rory, you don't have to try on this episode to get me chubbed up about the, okay. the, the nature of physics. Because right. I just watched Oppenheimer and yeah, sure, I'm a little late because I've got a child so I don't get to the cinema very often and okay. I had to wait till it came on the Apple store so I could rent it for an exorbitant price. But hey, I'm a science guy now. Right, after watching that movie, you what they thought they were doing was inconceivable and unbelievable and unattainable and they pulled it off. And I, I should say... The complicated, uh, grey, disturbing message of the movie did not go over my head. I'm not saying Oppenheimer was sick. Right. The guy, what I'm saying is, uh, you know, the power of science was overwhelming and terrifying. Exactly. And that's what we're going to be dealing with today while I drop a bomb on our audience. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) All right. Like a bombshell, like a revealing piece of information. That's what I'm saying. Our story today begins with a phone call to UFO investigator Terry Cox. Hello, is this Mr. Cox, the UFO investigator? It is, yes. How can I help? I I think my wife and I may, may have seen something. Hmm. What sort of something? It was some sort of orb. Green. Uh, I don't know how to describe it, but we need help. We don't have long. What do you mean? don't have long. Whatever this thing was, it's killing us. Terry Cox decided that this was worth a full investigation. So he headed to New Mill himself to speak with the couple who had claimed to witness some kind of strange orb floating in the night sky. Now being a paranormal investigator, he'd met a lot of people who had claimed to have seen something like this before. But when he met Caroline Bond and Peter Bolton, He knew something was different. They were stressed, tired, and both looked like they'd recently fallen ill. As they sat down together at the couple's home, the story unraveled. At around 9.30 p.m. Saturday, September 17th, Caroline was heading to the front of her house, getting ready to fire up her moped for an evening drive. As she approached the vehicle, she got the feeling her husband Peter was following behind her. But when she turned, She realized it wasn't Peter. In fact, it wasn't a person at all. Caroline said that merely four meters in front of her, floating in the air, was this strange sort of green haze. She said it was flashing between green and silver and some sort of red. It was like gas, but she couldn't see through it. It also seemed to have an object protruding from the bottom as it hovered along the ground. 
This is quite a unique description of a, of a paranormal object. Usually we hear all the cliches, the flying saucer shape, uh, if it's a creature, the, the, the nine foot greys or the little guys with the saucer eyes. But this explanation, a kind of flashing cloud of haze that she can't see through, very strange, especially the fact that this is essentially just hovering on the ground. Yeah, the flashing is particularly strange, isn't it? Because uh, if we're talking about a gas here, there are, of course, any number of explanations for what that could be. It could be any kind of gas leak, whatever. But a flashing green and silver cloud of gas? Yeah. I don't. I, hey, I know the Pokemon franchise has got a bit fucked up. I don't know if even <laughs> they have reached flashing clouds of gas yet. I think they did. It was Generation 1 and it was ghastly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was the first one. Uh, luckily, I know this is kind of hard to visualize uh, in our heads. I do have an artist's interpretation of the object that was seen that night. I'm going to send it to you right now, Kit. Wow. No, these artists aren't getting paid enough, honestly, because that is not a big prompt to go off. Yeah, it's hard. It's not exactly getting mugged by All a right. guy. Oh, I'm now God. looking at the image the artist was overpaid because th <laughs> that is a f***ing giant candy corn <laughs> in the middle of a road. It looks like a pistachio, <laughs> a giant pistachio nut. It's a star, an unwrapped starburst that has been chewed up and spat out on a road. Yeah, it's hard I, to no, draw no, no. A, a, a cloud. I get it. Now, it's worth noting that in the records of this sighting, uh, she really has a hard time properly describing what this thing looked like, despite approaching it to the point where it was only two meters away. At this point, Caroline thinks that she is tripping. So she does what anyone would do and calls her partner to come look before whatever this thing is makes a getaway. Peter hears her call and comes running, luckily making it in time. By now, this strange object is moving its way up the steps to a nearby barn before turning and hovering around it in circles. Caroline said that they both watched this strange object float about for two full minutes. They had so long with this thing that Peter even left at one point to go get his glasses to have a better look. <laughs> While he was gone, Caroline took this opportunity to see if she could even get more people to put their eyes on this thing. And luckily, around the corner, she found a couple using a nearby telephone kiosk. <sighs> hey, you guys, you want to see something cool? The second couple came around the corner just as Peter returned with his glasses. And believe it or not, the orb was still there. Now it was floating above a set of nearby trees, flashing green, red, and silver. Both couples stared in disbelief as they watched this otherworldly orb levitate above them. Interestingly, when Terry Cox asked Caroline, were you upset in any way by the experience? She said, no, I was quite interested in it. I wanted to go and look for it the next night. I was quite excited and told everyone else. It seemed like a kind of spaceship to me. When it was above the tree, it appeared a bit elongated, although it was oval when I first saw it in the yard. I've never been interested in this sort of thing before. But I am now. Well, you didn't know it existed yet. How could you be interested in it? Yeah, it kind of goes without saying. <laughs> you know, I was never really interested in floating green gas balls <laughs> until one popped into my back garden. <laughs> I've been searching my local library for books on the subject and well, wouldn't you know it, I couldn't find any. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, 
This is like if a thousand bumblebees turned up in my bedroom one morning. You best start to believe I got an interest in honey. <laughs> Even if I didn't care about it at all, I'd be pretty interested in why a thousand bees are now in my bedroom. Right, you're gonna, whether you like it or not, become a little bit of an expert on the subject of <laughs> Gonna bees. become a little bit of a beekeeper. <laughs> It's like, if you don't have a beekeeper's hat, find the next best thing, brother, because they're in your closet. Right. Like, she, by necessity, has to become interested in UFOs because apparently her garden is a landing pad for the Intergalactic Federation. You know, in a strange abstract way, the closest thing that this kind of sounds like is uh, Aurora Borealis. Right. Uh, you know, <laughs> Super Nintendo Chalmers voice and Aurora, Aurora Borealis. Borealis. Located, located entirely. entirely inside the Cornish countryside. Uh, you know, but a, a kind of gaseous, multicolored, changing, flashing phenomenon. Now, luckily, Terry didn't just have Caroline and Peter to talk to. The other couple that saw it that night were Bill and Sally Beard, a couple from Birmingham who were staying with a family nearby. Not only did Bill and Sally corroborate the claims, but the woman that they were staying with, Mrs. Gibbons, also claimed to have seen the orb floating in the sky that night. And there was at least one more independent witness that evening. Because of the timing of the different sightings and the amount of witnesses, the belief is that there may have actually been more than one orb that night. Okay, I just want to drill down quickly on, you mentioned they saw it in the sky then, mm -hmm. but of course our protagonist saw it as close as two meters away. Yes. Yeah, she saw it four meters away, then two meters away. This thing's coming at her. <laughs> then one meter away. Then it was in She's her the blood. Orb. Yeah. Uh, no, um, if you recall, she said when Peter returned with his glasses, it was uh, floating above the tree line by the barn. Okay. So this thing is capable of moving some distances, but because of the different places it was sighted at different times, people have started to believe there may have been more than one orb, uh, which is a theory that is backed up by the claims of witness George Stone, who said, I saw two orbs. <laughs> okay, so we have kind of JFK assassination style we have a multiple orb theory right there yeah were more there was more than one shooter uh, <laughs> and we've mapped them out on this little map with pins george stone said he saw one near the ground and one hovering at the heights that helicopters would usually fly he said that the one in the sky stuck around for so long that he claimed that him and his sister watched it zigzag around the sky completely soundless until almost midnight the next day, the strange green orbs were the talk of the town. Those who had seen it struggled to convince their neighbors that it had happened, or even explain what the f**k it was. But luckily, they didn't need to try too hard, because the very next night, the orbs appeared again. Okay, so definitely more than one this time. Three! Okay, they're three multiplying. Three orbs! Sorry, I'm getting excited. I don't know why I get triggered any time. Yeah, you seem I... like a damn spokesperson for the orbs. Your <laughs> eyes went black there for a second. No, I... <laughs> Just, I don't know why the word orb is so exciting to say. Because yeah, it was but... a gas to begin with, too. Yeah, gaseous orbs <laughs> is what they were. Specifically, three of them. You seem to have lost control over the pitch of your voice. I have. There's <laughs> gas pouring out my ears. And it wasn't just the orbs that made an appearance. On that same night, September 18th, 
civil servant Anthony Laity was driving home in the evening when he noticed something hovering just outside his window. He knew it wasn't a bird for two reasons. First, he was speeding down the road. There was no way a bird could match his pace. Also, it was metal, and the underside was glowing white. No one thought it was a bird. No need to compare at all. Could it have been an orb? <laughs> well, Do you think? Sure. It's completely different to the yeah. others, though. It, it is. It's, you know, the objects the others saw was described as this kind of glowing gas. Anthony's claiming this was much more like a craft, like an object speeding alongside him. Yeah, I'm into this. I'm feeling it. We're all feeling good. Some crazy mm, shit going mm, on. Let's just uh, always... Speed up. I agree. Worry. No, no. <laughs> worry and slow down. Because no. sometimes what happens is uh, the little game of telephone takes place, especially back in the day, with less media sources, information sure. sources uh, that once word gets out of UFOs, you have, uh, as we kind of talk about, a kind of playground spread of information where the... <laughs> Not to attack Anthony here, but the lonely little he's, he's nerd He's getting attacked by enough already. Who, uh, so let's leave Anthony out of this. The lonely little nerd who has no friends suddenly is like, oh, oh I saw two guys. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Boy, right. this attention feels good. Yeah, so what I saw, it was exactly like what you guys saw, right? But even crazier. That's like when I was in primary school and all of my friends had watched James Bond. They were all obsessed with James Bond and the James Bond movies. I was too embarrassed to tell them my parents wouldn't let me watch James Bond. Completely justified, by the way. I think that all those movies were 15, yeah. rated 15. So there were many conversations I participated in where I pretended like I had seen the movies. Not knowing anything about what James Bond was. Didn't even know he was a spy. Or that it was anything to do with spies and shooting people and, and espionage. Uh, and I think it all came out when I drew a picture of him for everyone, and I drew him as a fox. <laughs> <laughs> he got mixed up with Fantastic Mr. Fox. I think they were like, yeah, that's kind of cool. Why is he a fox? And I was like, <laughs> and then it immediately dawned on me that I had created a different James Bond in my head. You'd filled in a lot of <laughs> gaps in your head. I love the idea as well of even if you had painted like quite a sensible picture of what James, you're like, got it, he's English. He likes drinking martinis. Right. By all accounts, he's well-dressed, likes a suit. Oh, yeah. Drives around fast cars. Always in the chicken coop. Good with the women <laughs> and shoots guns. Got it. I've like, It's not hard to grasp, is it? And But then one of the other kids at Playground is like, hell yeah, that was such a good movie, the one with Octopussy in it. And you're like, <laughs> all right, so hold, <laughs> hold on. You're saying there's an octopus. He fights a an octopus? <laughs> there's an octopus <laughs> with... Human reproductive organs. This is <laughs> very strange. <laughs> and you're like, uh, okay, yeah, no, his is, of course, yeah, I've seen it when he fights his arch nemesis octopusy. And you're like, oh, his, his arch nemesis is Goldenfinger. <laughs> you're like, what? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I had recently as a child watched the Robin Hood movie where he is, of course, a fox. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, taking from that, I assumed they were talking about some other movie uh, by the same production company where James Bond was also a fox. But I get what you're saying is um, sometimes if if the talk of the town is UFOs, everyone wants to be part of the talk of the town. So say that you saw a UFO. Not saying that happened. No. Just saying we got to keep our, uh, keep our minds and eyes open to such events. 
I will say usually when people make up stories to become a part of the bigger story, they slide in with kind of a subtle case, you know, mm. being like, oh, I saw the gas too. Uh, it was green for you guys. It was purple for me. That's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> Whereas Anthony's just like, they're, they're outside. I had to come in here because it's the only way I could get them off my back. Uh, he said that the faster he went, the faster the object followed until eventually the light faded and it disappeared from view. Terry Cox couldn't believe what he was hearing. Not only were their orbs appearing for multiple nights, but they'd been seen by multiple witnesses all across New Mill. I've never heard of a case this convincing before. If only we had some physical evidence. Peter stared back at Terry. Oh, we have the evidence. And you're looking right at it. (laughs) (laughs) Terry reveals he has a six-inch hole through his chest. He was (laughs) shot by a laser cannon. Lips on his shirt. (laughs) Jesus, man. How are you alive? (laughs) He keels over instantly. Uh, Look, I should say I have, yes, slightly dramatized the dialogue in this story you know, for dramatic effect in the storytelling. But this is how it all shook down. Peter was telling the truth. He and his wife were both physical proof that the orbs had in fact visited because it was only a week later that the complications started. We're about to find out what those complications are. Right after, a quick word from today's sponsors. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners or odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Kit, when we bottle up our emotions, it can start to affect us negatively. Sometimes it's important that we get stuff off our chest. Tell me about it. I found a UFO in the forest and now this thing is attached to my chest. Jesus, that's an alien. Mm -hmm. All right, I was speaking metaphorically about dealing with emotions and talking about our feelings by using services like BetterHelp. I don't need to talk about my feelings. This thing can read my mind. Therapy can be a great way to set boundaries and become the best version of yourself. With BetterHelp, you can get matched with a licensed therapist that suits your needs. It's online, convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. We're saying they can get things off my chest, like uh, Zonktar here. Don't give it a name. Maybe me and Zonktar can sign up for BetterHelp together. Give it a shot, and whatever it is, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Paranormal Life today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Paranormal Life. All right, we are back. As we said, professional UFO investigator Terry Cox is sitting down with Peter and Caroline. 
trying to unravel the mystery of what happened that night. And it might be a little easier to unravel than we think, because it seems like we have some physical evidence, taking the form of physical ailments. Oh no. It began with Peter. He fell so ill that he needed to be brought to the hospital. He was throwing up, suffering from muscle pains and headaches. Doctors did multiple tests, but couldn't figure out what was wrong. I mean, it's a tough situation to be in if you are Peter, because one way for them to definitely think you belong in a hospital is to tell them about the orb. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because usually doctors would be like, okay, look, I'm trying to get to the bottom of this. Have you eaten anything strange recently? Have you uh, had anything to drink? You usually don't drink. It could be an allergic reaction. Tell me about the last 24 hours. Well, <laughs> you know, it was a pretty normal day. I did have a chicken salad instead of my, uh, you know, turkey sandwich it's for like, lunch. Sir, we don't have a lot of time here. You're going to need to get to the point of what you're saying. All right. Well, I'm just filling you in on all the food and, and the things that I had. So I did, you know, the soda machine was uh, out of... Diet Dr. Pepper, so I had to go for full sugar Dr. Pepper. Could it be that? That's a normal could it be amount that? of sugar. Is there anything else, absolutely anything else, which could have contributed to these symptoms? Well, you know, um, I just want to guarantee that, that, that is, is there sort of a, a patient-doctor confidentiality type agreement here in the hospital with, a, you know, if I were to say anything, it, it stays within the walls, right? It stays between you no, and me. No, really, sir. We have to train a lot of students. <laughs> Whatever you could say to me, you could say to them as well. Oh, yes. I'm only noticing them now. There's about 16. They're taking notes, yes. Do they have to be please here right ignore now? Them. I am naked. <laughs> but, but please ignore that. We have a couple of art students as well, just doing a kind of nude <laughs> sketch of you as well. Again, just students right. just doing their job. All right, well, if there was anything that was slightly out of the ordinary, you know, my, my, me and my wife did that evening, we saw, we saw an orb mm -hmm. from another universe. And um, at some points it was quite far away, and at other points it was inside me. <laughs> so that might be why I have fallen ill. <laughs> Students, if you could leave the room. All right, all right, guys, we've got another pervert here. A guy who's been putting weird stuff inside his body. Like, no, 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 I don't mean like that. <laughs> Delete the sketches. Delete the sketches. Yes. See, this is back in the day when I would say today, if they had any kind of concerns about your sort of mental stability, the reason why you might have ended up in hospital, we have psychiatric wards and things like that for that, protect yeah. you from yourself back then. It was called the loony bin and right. you get chucked in it and you might not get out again. Yeah, giving them this explanation might get you out of this hospital, but it's going to get you into another hospital. <laughs> right. Yeah, Basically revolving door, you're going into the other one. No, it is true. It is, hey, this is the terrifying cold face of experiencing paranormal phenomenon firsthand is you are a frontline soldier and uh, no one knows what its effects could be on you. Exactly. And that's why this story is kind of scary, because as we said, Peter and Caroline at one point, they were two or four meters away from this thing. Uh, you know, reading about this case, it feels very similar to, you know, back in the days where people were using nuclear power and just completely oblivious to how damaging it was just to be in proximity to the source. Hey, brother. You're talking to the guy who just watched Oppenheimer. I mean, I cannot right. stress enough how much I'm basing my personality 
off of this movie. And yeah. I have to say there's a lot of parallels between the story you're describing and maybe that's something we're dealing with here. Maybe there is radioactive stuff going on. Yeah. That's why if you see anything slightly out of this world, you need to put on your lead vest and put on your lead cup if you want to have kids in the future. To make matters worse, Caroline followed behind him. Her symptoms were so confusing that doctors initially thought that she had appendicitis and actually removed her appendix. Jesus. Okay. Yeah. That was a pretty invasive guess. <laughs> I know, right? Because it says after the surgery, they discovered that her appendix was perfectly healthy. <sighs> that feels like someone jumping to conclusions and moving way too quick. Because if you can tell that it's healthy when it's out, how could you not tell it was healthy when it was in? When it's doing the job? Yeah. You know, appendixes coming out, that really feels like something I thought was going to have more bearing on my adult life than uh, it seemed to have right. in, in, during my childhood. Growing up, it seemed like every appendix on Earth was a World War II grenade. No one <laughs> knew if it was in commission or out of commission or whatever. Yeah. But if you just like ate a Dorito wrong, it would poke your appendix and it would pop like a landmine right and, uh, whereas and today i haven't talked to anyone with any appendix problems in a long time it's also partly because of the way it's worded right you know stuff with organs is so dramatic you know you get kidney failure your appendix bursts it sounds like they need to cut you open grab the appendix <laughs> and like throw it into the air so everyone can duck down and it's going to explode. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's very, very dramatic. But I agree with you. I, I would have assumed appendix out, tonsils out. That was a big one as well. Get a tonsillitis. <laughs> tonsils, yeah. Yeah. I've heard the word tonsils in years. <laughs> it's crazy. Even when you get older, you know, you hear of people who have uh, kidney stones. Yeah, I know what you mean. The language is quite serious. Like people don't talk about something failure like that often outside of kidney failure. I mean, my parents talk about sun failure. What is that? Oh, right, you? Yeah. <laughs> okay. When you've got That's a child, sad, yeah. it's a failure, <laughs> which is equally as dramatic. They call you appendix because they tried to remove you from their <laughs> lives. <laughs> we tried to cut him out and cut him off. Hey, I just, I'm so dumb. I just realized that's why they call it an appendix in a book. But which came first? An appendix in a book or a, a appendix in a body? I need to find this out right now. Yeah, me too. Mm. <laughs> okay, this is bullshit. I just googled appendix and on the actual definition on the NHS website, it says, the appendix is connected to the large intestine where poo forms. <laughs> Nobody knows exactly what it does. <laughs> Man, like, sometimes like, you think humans are so advanced. A until, child wrote this. Until you, <laughs> until you read that. That's not a... A doctor didn't write that. That, that is... Even using the word poo. The, a doctor the, should use that word. Right, sure. Surely it's not feces. Um, yeah, that is someone who was... They were clocking off for lunch in 30 seconds after they wrote that definition. <laughs> so what could be causing this? What could be causing this health issues? Well, the couple were both suffering... From unexplained illnesses, sure, but those illnesses closely resembled, you guessed it, radiation poisoning. Okay. Kit, this is the buzzword that we look for when we're talking about any paranormal cases that involve close encounters with UFOs. The, the big question always is, if there was a craft or an object or an entity 
at any point in time, at any event. The evidence is in what is left behind. How did it affect the wildlife where it landed? How did it affect the people it came in contact with? You know, how did it infect the, the environment and leave behind proof and evidence that it ever did exist in a physical form? And radiation poisoning is unfortunately one of the common symptoms that we have with witnesses in UFO cases. Yeah, and it's, it's uh, I always feel like it's worth pointing out that uh, it's a very interesting one. It's not definitive proof of anything. No. Uh, and there's no actual specific link for like, oh, we know that UFOs run on nuclear energy. That's why it's there. Uh, we don't know anything like that. But right. the idea, I suppose, roughly is that maybe this alien technology utilizes other elements that we would not uh, be able to be around safely. Uh, Space th juice. That even the, the aliens themselves, chemical composition is different. They are not carbon-based life forms. They are made of something else, silicon-based or whatever, and that they interact with other compounds differently and maybe they are carrying radioactive materials. It's a stretch, but the point is uh, radioactive material, it's a good calling card because whilst it is naturally occurring, it's rare in, these, in the concentrations that would cause illness. Obviously, a biggest similarity here as well is with a case that we investigated not too long ago, the Cash Landrum UFO case, where... Two individuals claim to have spotted a diamond-shaped object come down, blasting uh, jet fumes from the bottom that kind of uh, hit their car. And they actually ended up with kind of similar symptoms. Really bad radiation poisoning. I think, uh, I think one or both of them ended up losing hair. Uh, their skin was affected. And that was a real physical interaction because I think even the car that they were in post-sighting became so hot they couldn't even touch it with their hands. The dashboard melted. It was really crazy stuff. So obviously with our case, we're not dealing, we don't think, with a craft. It seems like, well, maybe we are. It's somewhere in between craft and entity, you know, this little floating gas thing. But it's obviously not as dramatic as a giant diamond coming down and blasting you like a hairdryer. One of the cool anecdotes, I think I've said it on the podcast before, about understanding the world of the electromagnetic spectrum uh, of which radiation is a part of, but also at another stage of the electromagnetic spectrum, uh, visible light is a part of. And our eyes just happen to be tuned to see visible light. I saw a cool comparison once that said that if you laid out the electromagnetic spectrum proportionally from New York City to Los Angeles uh, as a straight line, Visible light, the stuff we can see, would be about two meters <laughs> okay. of that distance. The rest is like uh, x-ray energy, gamma ray radiation, right? Uh, infrared, all the other elements of electromagnetic energy. Uh, it is a strange and terrifying world out there of energies out in space. Right, and what we can see and what we can't see. You know, I was at the zoo the other day and they had an exhibit where you could see through the eyes of a snake. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I hate these f***ing things, man. I've seen Instagram carousels that claim to be like, here's rat vision, mouse vision, dog vision, f***ing bread vision. And 
And I'm like, you guys are making these up. Rat vision is me when I sneak out of my bed at night to eat <laughs> shredded cheese from the refrigerator. That's my rat vision. <laughs> uh, you know, it's always just like, yeah, it's either black and white or it's everything's red or like, right. yeah. <laughs> Where did you see rat vision? Bro, I'm going to look up rat vision right now. <laughs> well, the, the reason I, I saw snake vision in this exhibit was because I believe they were trying to explain how snakes, I don't know if this is true, this is just what they said at the zoo, their vision is based purely or mostly on uh, thermal, it's heat. Oh. Uh, so they were saying, you know, there was a big camera and you could like put your hand in front of the camera and they were like, that's what you look like to a snake. Okay, it's predator mode. Yeah. <laughs> luckily, As in the movie Predator. Luckily, the caption wasn't, this is what you look like to a snake, and it just transforms you into, like, a, a, <laughs> a chicken, chicken wing. wing. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to fucking tear you apart. <laughs> That's a walking, you, talking chicken drumstick. You're a walking happy meal to these motherfuckers. <laughs> why did you have to make this an exhibit? I know they're dangerous. That's why they're behind the glass. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why is there stink lines coming out of me? That's how, that's what they think. That's what they think of you. <laughs> like this is what you look like to a snake. I step in front of it on the screen. It just says "bitch." I'm like, why would he think that about me? That's so mean. They can tell when a human is bitch made. Uh, it's just a fun little sense there. It's like, are you a scientist? Show me your credentials. <laughs> it's just a guy charges you ten bucks for snake vision. But yes, this is what I'm saying. You know, as humans, uh, we are limited to being able to perceive what our eyes can perceive. It's a miracle that these two could even perceive the gas itself. I mean, that tells us something about what they saw. Okay, n n not to get too deep down this rabbit hole. but Let's that, do it. But, Let's but that, get but, in the snake hole. But that always trips me out, yeah, is like, you ever see those cool, like, Hubble space telescope images of galaxies and things like that? Hell yeah. You know, and they're very cool, very badass, and they've, they, they're totally now what we have come to know a space photography that that we think if we went interstellar mode, flew out as an astronaut into space, that's what we would see yeah. is those galaxies like we've seen them. Um, I can't actually remember about Hubble specifically, but it blew my mind when I found out, I was a little disappointed to be quite honest, when I found out that many of those images are composite images. And, yeah, ag yeah. and again, like I say, that electromagnetic spectrum, they've they fudged together. They took an infrared camera, they took a visible light camera, they took a gamma ray camera, all this shit. And they've put all these images together because they can all see different elements of a galaxy or a star. Yeah. And then they kind of mush them all together and they color correct it and make it look cool. And it's the idea is it's like, yeah, well, it's all there. You just might not be able to see it all with your naked eye. And right. that's an important thing to remember that just because we've evolved to see things on Earth the way we do, out there in space, it might be different rules, man. Yeah. It, you know, it might be that we're, you're seeing this, this orb, this gaseous thing, but that's just because the visible light spectrum that's coming off of it is what you can see. Who knows? Flip on a x-ray vision. It might look like something else. Put on your snake goggles. And see. <laughs> just bitch. <laughs> Captain bitch. <laughs> Changes your NASA uniform to Captain Bitch. Oh, come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's so true. I mean, you probably would be disappointed if you took a rocket ship out, you know, into the vast corners of the universe and looked out the window. It's black. 
Yeah. It's black and maybe a couple of stars in the distance. You're probably not going to see this kaleidoscope of colors and galaxies. So uh, it is a little bit disappointing. It's like when I found out, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't partially, or at least at one point partially, the rings of Saturn because of the the duration of the photograph that needed to be taken to get enough light to capture the film, like blurred, blurs the rings. Oh. I think so. I think I read that. That's why it looks like a that's beautiful looks like like a, line. Yeah, like a kind of milky line. Oh, that's really interesting. The same that way, sounds believable. Yeah. yeah, I think that it's referred to in photography as bulb photos, I believe. Right. Where you take really, really long shutter speeds uh, to uh, enable the camera to capture as much light as possible. Yeah. So if you're ever doing like nighttime photography, you can change your bulb speed to six seconds yeah. to capture it all. And that's how you get these beautiful shots Uh, of the night sky Mm. but of course if you change that time to like three hours to capture the photo that's why you get the blurred lines Mm -hmm. the light trails because it's been capturing the light for all of that time it takes yeah what what are the rings it's just rocks i think they're just rocks yeah nice orbiting comets but are so localized that it does create a ring that's crazy that there's a planet that's like a hoarder right took it all just collects rocks that's nuts I, i i like to think that it's you know, the one that is loved the most. And that's why they put a ring put on a it. Put a ring on it. Exactly. They liked it, so they went and put a ring on it. Um, whereas the others are just completely naked. There's so many There's so many little, like, loopholes. Like, scientists would be like, oh, well, actually, Uranus has rings, but it's they're invisible. Bro, four planets have rings. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. What? Saturn like, isn't special it's like, at all. sorry, if they're invisible, it doesn't have rings. Right. Come back to me with snake vision and tell me how many rings it has. Huh? So, Jupiter. Wait, they're in. What do you mean they're invisible? You read the article. You tell me. Why don't why why don't I know that Jupiter has rings? Why don't I know that? Uh, is, it, is, is, is it like you say? It's like this these planets, whether they're married or not. It's like Jupiter has a ring, but she doesn't wear it when she works out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> she weirdly takes it off when she's on holiday. So what's going so, on there? Red flag, if you ask me, but Did I mention Jupiter and Uranus have been slowly orbiting towards each other over the past millennia? It's a little suspicious because it goes against the gravitational pulls of the universe. This is sus. Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune all have rings. Saturn has the largest ring system, which I guess makes it the most perceivable in photographs of the planet. It was not until the 1970s that rings were discovered around the other gas planets. So maybe they were even so thin or imperceivable, photography from telescopes wasn't able to pick them up. Here's a conversation that y'all ain't actually ready for. You mean to tell me that Pluto isn't a planet because it's too small when we're counting all these planets that are just f***ing gas? That's not a real planet. I'm sorry. That is not a real planet. What do you mean they're gas? I can't stand on them? They're ghosts? What? You just said it. The gas giants. Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune. These are all gas planets. They're not solid. Talking about (laughs) You should have learned this in primary school. They're made of gas. What do you mean they're made of gas? We do there's not enough tape in this fing zoom recorder to capture the the amount of information it needs to follow. You're telling me someone vaped a fing planet and that counts. I can, if I said one small step for man, I'd go through it and come out the other side. How does that work? Well, I think if we're getting into it, I think they're so 
I mean, take Jupiter, for example, so hot and fiery and corrosive, you would, of course, melt if you set foot. Uh, but they are gas. They're not solid. They're not rock planets. It's only insane because I know of, like, the gas planets. Like, I know that's a normal sentence I've heard of. At no point did I think that meant, for some reason, <laughs> the planet was made of gas. Right. Do we? Is that, are we definitely sure? Is a planet made of gas? <laughs> This is every. Like, this I just assumed it was like every child, every child in the world or something, knows you know, and understands. Like when when Super Mario goes you into thought, the toxic world and he can only breathe for so long, <laughs> I assumed it was like cloudy or something. Right, you thought it was gas. This the way Irish people say, say gas is fun. Right. Yeah. I hate how patronizing they are in the response. <laughs> uh, the BBC says you couldn't stand on the surface of the planet because it's not solid. <laughs> Dummy. <laughs> uh, that's crazy. That is crazy. But hey, if anything, maybe ties in more to this episode than we think, because what our witnesses saw today was gas. It seemed to be perceivable to the human eye. <laughs> You're like, me, we know where they're from then. <laughs> it's just fast-tracked this into a double yes. <laughs> it came from the gas planet. with people and everything's glass. Gas. <laughs> Unfortunately, despite these very close encounters, uh, multiple witnesses, there is really very little explanation as to what these things are, where they came from, or why they appeared. Yeah, they, these aren't exactly aliens waving around a probe or trying nachos for the first time with any obvious motive. Yeah. You can barely see the f***ers. Yeah, and, and this was on a small enough scale, really, that it never even warranted a response by any kind of government or military officials. So we don't even have the joy of listening to them claim that it was a weather balloon or a military test. Hey, there's something kind of cool about that. At some point, you get uh, jaded to the cookie-cutter UFO experiences. Kind of cool to have something which just is weird. Yeah, it is weird. People talked about it, but it wasn't big enough or crazy enough that it needed to be covered nationally. Yes. Which is also, unfortunately, one of the cons of this case as well. You know, when I was looking for evidence for this case, you know, it's fun to read about these stories on the internet, but ultimately, if you're going to host them and talk about them on this podcast, you need to be able to back it up with some hard facts, some hard truths. There are multiple newspapers from the time that reported on this incident, had quotes from the UFO investigator and the witnesses. So it's all there. There are the claims that this took place in national newspapers. But aside from that and that small amount of coverage, this case doesn't go anywhere. There were no more investigations done. I couldn't even find really any official recordings of medical records from this quote-unquote radiation poisoning. Uh, most of the talk was them just falling ill, allegedly, after the case. <laughs> it's like... Hey, guys, you know what the news cycle is like in rural Cornwall. It got buried within the hour. The next day, it was who won the annual sheep shearing competition. Uh, the clotted cream uh, shortage of 1976. It was a hectic year. Yeah, you'd think a story like this should be enough in Cornwall to have its own newspaper. And it's just weekly updates about what's going on. Uh, which unfortunately is not the case. So while we do have a lot of testimonies today for some good, reliable witnesses and an investigation by an actual UFO expert, outside of that, 
this case has a very short shelf life. But that doesn't mean that it didn't happen. (laughs) And as you know, at the end of every episode, we do have to come down on our conclusions as to whether or not we think that this really happened. So, Kit, it's a strange one today, but what are you thinking? This is a strange one. One of the strangest we've probably covered in recent memory. A gas? You know, I think you kind of sold me on this being a bit of a UFO case we were getting into at the beginning uh, or before we started recording. Um, So, you know, I was was primed to start just ticking boxes in my head, playing TPL UFO bingo. Yeah. Drink when you see a f***ing saucer. Drink when you see a grey with bulbous eyes. Uh, That is not what we got. We got something pretty much completely unique. Um, Something which I tend to think always makes it feel a little bit more believable when it's original, when it's different, when it doesn't line up with other experiences. And yet at the same time, we've got next to no physical evidence, really no physical evidence, some half-decent witnesses and corroborating pieces of evidence. Um, Well, it's hard to have evidence when your creature is gaseous. I don't disagree. It literally Uh, disappears in front of you. It's not a problem I thought I was ever going to have, to be honest, is having to investigate a gas being. (laughs) Right. um, Even after doing the uh, atmospheric beasts. Uh, What about you, Rory? Yeah, you know, this is is not dissimilar from kind of creatures or objects we've seen in the past, as you said, atmospheric beasts, but also one of your favorite UFO encounters that we've ever covered, um, which I think opened your eyes to the world of the paranormal when it comes to aliens. The creatures in that story were smoke. Huh? What's the one that you love? <laughs> With the smoke man? Um, you must be referring to the aerial school UFO encounter of Zimbabwe in 1994. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, I knew. That's why I didn't want to mention the name specifically. It's, just, it's, it's like a smoke, trigger word. Just smoke it. wasn't exactly the words used <laughs> by the witnesses on the day, but I get what you're saying. Uh, I think it was. Yeah. So, yes, what you're saying is they did exhibit some strange movement patterns, these beings, and they were kind of vague objects. Yeah. I think they were uh, probably substantially more humanoid, but yes, they were extremely strange mm-hmm. and they, they were kind of described as moving in, like you described in this one, a bit of a zigzag, hazy pattern as yeah. if they were, I think they were described as moving in slow motion, but incredibly fast, Right, which doesn't make any sense. It doesn't really, but I think that's kind of, that's the world we exist in. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Um, and, you know, it's, it's safe to say we've covered enough stories on this podcast before where it's a little naive to think that the only guys upstairs are uh, nine foot and gray and look like the aliens from a Steven Spielberg movie. Yeah. Some of them are a f***ing cloud. Yeah. Some of them are a thought in your mind. Some of them are the smell of purple. It doesn't make any sense. Um, But hey, no more dilly-dallying, no more putting it off. Kit, it's time to come down on a conclusion. What are you going to say about today's case? It's going to be a no. Ooh. But I think you understand why. I didn't realize I had my snake goggles on. Because you're looking like a bitch to me, <laughs> All brother. Right. All, <laughs> right. All right. Well, you know, you threw around a no last week and that pretty much tore the commune apart. So I think, you know, I think you could understand a, a conscientious objection. Things are so getting so heated in this studio right now. A snake would be blinded. It's like a flashbang going off. That's how hot it's getting in here. Hey, call me Oppenheimer. I am become no destroyer of Rory's cases. 
Uh, look, unfortunately for me, this week it's also gonna be a no. Okay. Just because I love this case and this story and these creatures doesn't mean it's enough to push it over the edge for me and, and truly commit to saying that this event did happen and is paranormal. Unfortunately, there's just not enough evidence right at the finish line to push us over. Uh, but hey, what a great case. The New Mill Green Blob. Hey, let me tell you, to. this is a, a this is the quintessential. Some cases, right? We investigate. We've got our dossier in front of us, and then when we come down the double note, we tear it up and eat some of it or throw it out the window because mm-hmm. it's trash. This one, this is where we Indiana Jones style carefully put it in the vault, keep it on ice because right the next time a blob of gas shows up, flashing green and silver, yeah. We're going to need to go back to this, study the differences and figure out what's going on. Because this is just a too little information. Like This is one of those cases where 30 years from now, using new DNA technology, we bust the murderer from 30 years ago. Exactly. We, you know, put this in a folder, stick it in in, in, a, in the X-Files. Yeah. You, you know, and then 20 years later, when, when someone says, did you hear about that alien sighting down in Florida? It's like, yeah, people said that they saw some kind of strange red and green flashing gas. Yeah, Boom. violins start. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Mother of God. <laughs> what a case. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. I hope you enjoyed it, Kit, even though it was a double no. Uh, we are yet to achieve a double yes this year. But what are we, two weeks in, three weeks in? Barely in at all, which, which means we have so much more time this year to finally chase down those double yeses. For sure. The problem is I know what's coming next week and... All right. You can skip that one, guys, if you're really (laughs) holding on for that double yes. (laughs) The alien next week is a cloud. (laughs) It is a cloud that was spotted at cloud height. (laughs) Not that weird, really. We've talked a lot on this episode about snake vision, but if you want to see this podcast with human vision, you can head on over to YouTube or on Instagram, Twitter, uh, where we upload clips from the show. And we actually upload the entire video podcast over on YouTube. So if that sounds good to you, head on over there. You can watch the whole podcast there. It's a ton of fun. And if you already are starting the new year and you're caught up with all of the This Paranormal Life episodes and the backlog, don't worry. You don't have to wait every Tuesday for a new episode. We have a huge amount of episodes over on patreon.com that are available to you for a very small amount of money every month. We have a ton of bonus episodes which are released every month. And we also have the After Party, which is a bonus Friday episode where we talk about the behind the scenes, all the additional info that we weren't able to include in the cases, some of our own paranormal experiences. Um, I mean... That being said, the last one was just me, Kit, and Phil getting drunk and answering uh, community questions that we did a call out for over on Patreon. Everyone kind of prefers that, honestly. Yeah, we were like, so you want to hear about, because I actually saw a green orb one time, and then someone goes, all right, question from Craig here, f*** marry, kill, (laughs) cryptid edition, and then people crack beers. Uh, it's a ton of fun, and it's uh, it's a great way to kind of get involved with the community and find out a little bit more about the show that you hopefully love. So check it out. It's all there on patreon.com forward slash this paranormal life. We've got a ton of also really cool goodies over there. 
uh, on that website. And one of those is being able to get your own personalized shout out at the end of the episode. And that's what we're going to do right now. So thank you firstly to Dravdaddy. Dravdaddy sounds like a kind of San Francisco startup for <laughs> for autonomous vehicles driving your children to childcare without you being there. Right. This is kind of a, we're you know we're we're filling a gap in the market for you know the busy parents out there that uh, we can have just an automated Tesla come and pick up your toddler and safely drop him off to his uh, nursery. Um, you know, saving you a bunch of time. All they have to do is get in the car and say, Drive, Daddy! <laughs> <laughs> and the car starts. So download the Drive, Daddy app. Uh, the dra- it's dra- ma- it sounds it's, a southern it's, drive, It's coded by people from the deep south, of course. Drive, Daddy. I want a McDonald's, Daddy! <laughs> and the car will swing by the drive-thru. <laughs> yeah, if you're... What do you want? If you're, McNuggets, I mean, Daddy! <laughs> if you're southern, you gotta, you can't say dad, you gotta say Daddy! Daddy! Drive, drive, daddy. And thank you, lastly but not leastly, to Takran. Takran sounds like the Russian equivalent to drive daddy because, of course, Russia wouldn't let drive daddy operate within Russia. Right. So, of course, you would get to Russia if you were visiting and you'd be like, oh, hey, I, I need to... Uh, the Drive Daddy app is, doesn't seem to be working. No, we use, tr- we use Takran here. Yeah, yes, Takran. We use Takran. <laughs> uh, I actually think it sounds like a a bootleg arcade machine called Takran. <laughs> Where the KGB are really just <laughs> monitoring you through a webcam in the in the machine. Yeah, it's Pac-Man, but just has a camera at the front. <laughs> your character dies and it's like, please stare into the hole for 30 seconds to log your high score. <laughs> this <laughs> yeah. is a weirdly long amount of time. Yeah, it's like, enter your initials. Okay, yeah, fine. Uh, answer the following questions. Would you ever betray the motherland? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like all of this to play the game. <laughs> uh, so thank you, Drav Daddy. Thank you, Takran. Uh, thank you to everyone that supports us on Patreon. If you want to listen to some of that bonus content or check out some of the cool rewards you can get, head on over. Patreon.com forward slash this paranormal life. All right, Kit. It's time for us to say goodbye and start the research on next week's investigation, which you have guaranteed me and the audience is going to be a double yes. Did I? I think you were pretty confident about it, right? So we need to give them, because they, they, we don't want them to miss it, you know? Right. We don't want them to miss it. I can promise oh, yeah. that it's more physical <laughs> than <laughs> gas. <laughs> so. All right. Okay. That, that sounds pretty good to me. It's real, yeah, it sounds pretty. It means we can touch it. Right. So you're going to want to tune in next week and listen to that double yes. We will see you then, folks. Bye bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.